Hello and welcome to the Luke Miller Podcast and Happy New Year. It is 2022, we made it. <laughs> and today we are taking a look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and the idea revolving around constant growth and growing closer to God. And as we jump into the new year and as a precursor to our Romans 15 series, I'm looking forward to seeing how we can live that life fully dedicated to God, growing closer to Him every day. So grab your Bibles, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and let's dive in. Now, as we enter the new year, that common question that we often find ourselves asking or being asked is, of course, what is your new year's resolution? And for many of us, uh, it seems to work. For many of us, it seems to not work. And over the years, I can think of all the different things that I've come up with and I thought that I needed to do. So this year, I just figured I would choose one that I knew I was definitely not going to attain right away. I was on the first tee box of a golf course and a friend said, what's your New Year's resolution? And I said to hit the ball straight. And then I proceeded to take a swing and slice it about 50 yards to the right. And so that was the end of my New Year's resolution. What I want to challenge us with today, even coming out of just that little tiny story, is that that it is more about not just saying what is something new that I can do, but rather saying how can I continue on the same path of growth to grow closer to God. For some of us, we may find that 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 path that we've been on has slowed over the last year or two years or decade. Uh, For some of us, uh, we may feel like we are doing all right. Uh, and and yet, the challenge that we see that Paul is about to give us is that we are in a constant state of growth, uh, constantly being aware of those around us and how we can minister to them, always being aware of how we as uh, people can grow closer to God. And so I thought it'd be good for us to take a look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58. Just a small passage, but I think it'd be good for us to go bit by bit through it this week. Uh, and, and you can follow along if you've already found it there. And it simply goes like this. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. And and we're going to take a look at this really phrase by phrase and, and spend some time on it. That word, therefore, of course, refers to all that is written in 1 Corinthians 15 so far, where Paul spends 57 verses dealing with the reality of the resurrection and the certainty of our salvation. It's some heavy stuff, but it's important to note that Paul recognizes that even after 57 verses of doctrine and theology, it's important to say, how can I actually put this into practice? Just one verse earlier in verse 57, it says, but thanks be to God who gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And the first Uh, The very first verse of of chapter 15 introduces his argument. Now I remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand. He carefully defines the gospel, and now at the end of the chapter, he describes what a gospel-centered living looks like. And I think that's important for us to note, is is Paul recognizes that this is a journey. Uh, If you take a look at chapter 15 as a journey in and of itself, it goes and starts at the point where Paul introduced them to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then 
uh, it works through kind of where they have been uh, almost historically. And yet 57 verses later, we find ourselves where he's saying, do not forget, you know, remember that this is something that is a constant work. Whenever we see these doctrinal declarations, it Paul usually leads them uh, leads us to something practical, and that's what I love about Paul. He doesn't just focus on uh, the theology; he actually makes it practical theology. Uh, and so, we see in verse fourteen as well that, and if Christ had not been raised, then our preaching would be in vain, and your faith would be in vain. Uh, and so he reminds them, like this centers around the resurrection of Jesus, uh, and and focuses on Jesus. But since he conquered death. Satan and sin, uh, we see that belief must always affect our behavior, and our behavior is based on what we believe. Uh, and and that's important because he refers to his readers in the terms uh, of, of something very intimate, my beloved. It's amazing that Paul was so filled with so much love for the church when the church had so many problems, which was usually why he was writing to them. They had uh, personally attacked them at different times. They were fighting with each other. They were tolerating sin. They had messed up the Lord's Supper and were misusing their spiritual gifts. And yet he refers to them and comes back to them as beloved from that root agape, which we've heard so much about before. And and, and was spoken by God at the baptism of Jesus. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. In a, a little letter of, of Jude, we see this word used twice in the, the opening three verses. And it's an expression of endearment. And it refers to someone you are d- deeply devoted to, regardless. Uh, and, and so there's that statement and that reminder of you are beloved by God. You matter to him. And... And and more so, I think there when we see this expression of endearment in someone that you are deeply devoted to, I think that is a reminder that it is a, he does not say, I am my beloved, and then in brackets, if you're being nice to me, if you're being good to me, if you're treating me well, but he just simply says this or uses this word of endearment, which is saying through the good, the bad, and the ugly— I am deeply devoted to you growing, to to you, to teaching you. Uh, and and so we see this, and, and it's important. And the next word goes immediately to brothers. Um, and it's meant to speak of unity uh, together. So not only does he say, I'm devoted, but he says, listen, you are uh, a unit. You are in unity together, even if there are problems going on. Uh, and he gives these uh, exhortations immediately afterwards. So he declares his love for them, his uh, endearment towards them. And then he goes further and says, uh, gives them some instruction and gives them these exhortations. Therefore, my beloved brothers, and he gives three earnest exhortations, stand firmly, be stubbornly faithful, and sacrifice fully. So after 57 verses, he, he in, in the beauty of Paul's writing, he spends one verse telling us exactly what we need to do in its most simplest form, knowing that probably someone reading this would be like, well, how are we going to do this? And he gives them the answer. So let's take a look at them individually. The first is to stand firmly. Notice uh, 
notice as we take a look at this, uh, it's it's a challenge for us to become. This is what we're called to do. This is what we're we are supposed to prove ourselves to be. We're being called into action. We see this in the command: be steadfast. Uh, it's a, a present imperative for those linguists out there, which means we're to keep on becoming steadfast. It, it's not waking up one morning and saying, congratulations, Luke, you have made it. You have become steadfast. No, it's it's something that's ongoing. Uh, it refers to someone settled and secure, someone who is, is not wavering in what they believe. Because of the gospel certainty, we're called to stand our ground. And, and Paul writes something similar in Philippians chapter 4, verse 1, where it says, Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, notice he uses that same terminology, uh, or same kind of language as he does, is declaring uh, his love for the church and the love for those people there. In, in the show of unity, using that brother's term again. So, therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord, my beloved. And, and I think part of this is saying, how do we stand out uh, not only to the world, but how do we continually to grow and mature as Christians? Uh, and and when I think of, of standing firmly and what that means with our relationship with God, I can think of uh, three or four things that I really think stand out in this and how we can this year and in our journey, no matter where we are, whether we're wrestling with God right now, whether we feel like we're doing all right, uh, we want to keep on growing and we must be steadfast. And and one of the ways that we can do that and standing firmly is growing more mature as a Christian. And, and the first th- thing that I think really is uh, impactful in doing this is saying the highs and the lows of life don't impact your relationship with God. Uh, it's important. You may find that the highs and lows of life find you focusing on a different attribute of God, but it doesn't impact your relationship with him. Uh, the second is that you find value in, in all the seasons of life whether uh, it is just daily, whether it is monthly, or whether it is actually seasons or years. Uh, And what I mean by that is understanding that God has put you in all of these different places where you may find yourself this week, this day, this very hour, for such a time as this, as uh, we hear so often from the book of Esther. But, But what we may seem trivial, God has put you there for a reason, and it's recognizing that. And, and when you do that, that actually leads to that third part of becoming, uh, I believe, growing as a more mature Christian is for us to be at peace with the situations that are beyond our control. If there's anything that 2021 and 2020 have taught us is there is a reality that there's a lot that is out of our control, that uh, there are a lot of things that we do not like. There are not a lot of rules that have been made over the last little while. Uh, and yet, at the same time, uh, we have to be at peace with that and realize that God is in control. And one of the ways that we can do that is really understanding that Christianity does not have an on and an off switch. Uh, and and you can get good news and you can get bad news. And this all this idea of becoming of standing firmly and becoming a more mature Christian is all about, again, not allowing situations to change your relationship with God, seeing value in where God has put you, being at peace when you feel that life is filled with chaos. 
in understand and understanding that Christianity does not have an on and off switch. If you want to have that true peace, you truly need to uh, say, "I'm living every day." Uh, knowing that God has me where he wants me to be and that I'm in this relationship with him. If you flick off that off switch, then all of a sudden you're allowing, I want to say, all that chaos that may be surrounding us uh, into your life and start affecting you more and more. Uh, and so, so we find ourselves understanding that we must stand firm. We must live on mission by reaching out to others who are marginalized. Uh, and, and we must understand that there are those in our neighborhood who need to know the gospel, need to know about Jesus. Uh, when you stand firmly, it's important for us to understand that as we continue to live out our convictions, you will be tested. You will be teased. If you talk to any missionary, they might say they, that you'll be tortured for what you believe. But that leads to that very next part, which says, be stubbornly faithful. We see this in this word something immovable. Now, for many of us, including myself, mostly myself, I like the first part, be stubborn. That seems to come naturally to me. But be stubbornly faithful is, is now saying, I'm standing firm in my convictions. Now I'm being faithful to that, that process and that place where God has me. Understanding that as I become more mature, I have to be stubbornly faithful in knowing that my relationship with God is not changing. Uh, and should not change, that God has me where he wants me to be, that I can have peace beyond those situations, the situations that are beyond my control. Be stubbornly faithful to standing firm. It's building off one another. Uh, studies show that, that those who read the Bible daily are more likely to become fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. It makes sense, of course. It seems like a, a simple thing, something that we have heard since maybe you were in Sunday school as a, a little kid. First Peter chapter two, verse two says, like newborn infants long for pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation. If you're not, and, and this is a challenge that if you want something to say, how can I grow more mature daily? Is saying, how can I dive into scriptures daily? Because you know, and we know that you will grow spiritually if you are able to start interacting with God's word. And, and saying, God, what are you telling me in this passage? And as we take a look at this heading into the new year, I think that's always usually the, the best one. And, and being able to take a, a look at that. What book are you going to decide to read uh, from the Bible? What, what's a good book that you want to stand out? Uh, or maybe a book you haven't touched in a, a while and take a look at what that uh, that may be. We must be grounded in God's word. And I know that seems very straightforward, but Colossians chapter one, verses 23 says, if indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel. Uh, and, and there's that challenge of, hey, listen, this is the most simplest way for you to do something regular in your life is interact with God's word. And as you do that, you interact with God and grow in God. Uh, and, and that really, I believe, is as you stand firm in the gospel and are being stubbornly faithful to where God has you and what he's called you to, then that leads to that final imperative that Paul gives, which is to sacrifice fully. Look at the, the next phrase, always abound in the work of the Lord. 
Always means at all times, perpetually, continuously. And abounding refers to going over the top, to serve in excess. It's the idea of exceeding the requirements uh, and, and was used a lot in terms of a river overflowing its banks. And in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 12, it says, And may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another as we do for you. To always abound means to serve as much as we can and as often as we can and for as long as we can. And then serve more. Right? We're, as I, as I said off the top of this is, you know, we make a lot about resolutions over at the beginning of the year. And I think it's more saying, not how do we start something new, but really how, if you are a Christ follower, saying how do you build off what you already do uh, and, and do it more and become stronger in it when it's saying reading God's word. Uh, if you are listening to this and you are a newer Christ follower and you think, okay, well, I read my Bible, you know, at church when we go through the passage. Well, here's the challenge. Grow more. Saying, how do I do this daily? How do I do this on a regular basis? Like my golf resolution to hit the ball straight, which was destroyed off the first tee. Um, it's it's safe to say that everybody likes to make New Year's resolutions. A better relationship with God ranks as high as it should come. Uh, and and I think that's that challenge as we take a look at this. Um, and so when we, we focus on, on, again, abounding in the Lord's work and always doing that, hopefully we have this challenge uh, that, again, we're challenge to serve wherever that may be. And I'm not just saying in a church setting, I'm saying in your neighborhood, how do you serve God wherever he has you? Uh, and, and if we go back to our verse, we're called to always abound in the work of the Lord. And here are two thoughts on that. Uh, one, we're called to work. Serving God is not always easy. And the word work refers to exerting energy. So we know that sometimes it'll be just that work. And, and secondly, it's the Lord's work. We're doing the work of the Lord. We're not simply working for him. He's doing the work, and we get to join him in what he's doing. Uh, Henry Blackaby says, instead of just asking God to bless what you're doing, find out where God is at work and join him there. And, and I hope that is, um, is, is something that we can take away from this. D.A. Carson, who is one of my favorite authors uh, and... Uh, kind of, if I could meet anyone in the world of biblical studies, D.A. Carson would be be that. Now, I, I say that as when I was in Saskatchewan, our regional minister, when he was growing up, his youth pastor was D.A. Carson. And for 10 years, I tried to convince, get him to contact D.A. Carson to come and uh to come and speak at the church, or at least <laughs> just, you know, come to have coffee with me. That's not, that's not too much, is it? Uh, but uh, I did get an autographed book out of it, so I'm, I'm not complaining. Uh, but he wrote uh, a, a very profound thing, which says, people do not drift towards holiness. Apart from grace-given effort, people do not gravitate towards godliness. 
prayer, obedience to scripture, faith, or delight in the Lord. We drift towards compromise and call it tolerance. We drift towards disobedience and call it freedom. We drift towards superstition and call it faith. And we cherish the indiscipline and lost self-control and call it relaxation. We slouch toward prayerlessness and delude ourselves into thinking we have escaped legalism. We slide towards godlessness and convince ourselves we have been liberated. Now, it's a very profound quote as uh, as we take a look at this because we have to understand that in this, in all of this, is work. If we do not work, we drift away, and and, and this is what Paul is challenging with. That's what D. A. Carson's. Uh, quote is about is we will drift away if we are not actively taking a role in growing closer to God. That's what that relationship uh, is. Uh, and so I hope that gives us a bit of a challenge as we we go into the, the new year. Uh, starting next week, we are going to be diving into Romans chapter 15 and spending time uh, in that and taking a look at, at what that looks like. But as we go, let me leave you with what Paul says. Um, as as we take a look at this passage and understand that knowing that in the Lord, no matter where God has you this week, if you labor for him, it is not in vain. Uh, it will not be futile. It is part of his plan. So that is that invitation to become active, to grow. And you may find yourself in a rut. You may find yourself where you have to ask Jesus to save you from the muck and the mire of your sins right now, or find yourself in a place where you say, God, I need revival in my life. I want to grow closer to you. And just like Paul in the first 57 verses of this chapter in 1 Corinthians 15, just like Paul spent 57 verses talking about theology, he recognizes that you have to become active and you have to make it a practical theology. So that is our challenge for this week, is saying, God, wherever you've got me, I'm there to serve and join you on mission. Thanks for joining me today. I'm looking forward to our next series of, of bringing everything together and, and looking at Romans chapter 15. I hope you are too. But until then, take care, have a great week, and I'll talk to you next week. Thank you for joining us on the Luke Miller Podcast, a part of Sunrise Digital Ministries at Sunrise Community Church in Fair Oaks, California. If you're wanting to know more about our digital ministries, you can download our app at the Google Play Store or the Apple Store, where you'll find Backshed Bible Study, Sunday Sermons, and the Luke Miller Podcast. If you've got questions about who Jesus is or what it means to be a Christ follower, we would love to connect with you. And you can send us a note at www.sunrise.church welcome, and we'll get you connected. Thanks again for joining us. Take care.